in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbossitdown.com. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to the special Real Estate Friday edition of the Ron and Don Show. It's one segment. We're going to take about 15 minutes, and we're just going to talk about real estate. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios as well. Don't forget Mitch.Loans and those guys... Ron and Don, if you're looking for a realtor, buy, sell, invest, understanding short-term rentals, 1031 exchanges, we can help you with all that. And don't forget, we're regional realtors. So most realtors just work a neighborhood. Yeah, we work the region of Western Washington. And if you're moving out of state, uh, we have connections with thousands of other realtors as well. So just look for your boys, Ron and Don, at ronanddonsitdown.com, and we can figure out your real estate journey today. Hey, this is kind of interesting, and we'll just use the first name here. Uh, We're talking to, and we're just going to call her Jeanette. We're talking to Jeanette this week in a Ron and Don sit-down, and she had a real curious question. She said, I'm single. I have a house that I own. I probably have about a quarter million dollars in equity in this house. There's no nostalgic value to this house. I don't want to live in this house. But what I'm wondering is, I'm a teacher, I'm gonna teach for about five, six more years, and then I need to have other checks coming in besides just my pension. And so I'm wondering, I have the ability to go out and borrow money on a HELOC, I'm wondering in a market like this where maybe interest rates are a little high, but there's more opportunity than there's been before, and she lives down in the South End, so there's lots of opportunity, good opportunity down in the South End, especially down in Pierce County, you guys. So, so her question was, do, do I sell the property that I own and go out and buy another property, or do I hang on to that property and try to buy another property? And Ron, this is kind of interesting because there's a lot of people out there that are went, okay, I bought my first house, but to buy my second house, I had to sell my first house, so I just still only owe one door. And that one door creates debt for me. And I have to pay a mortgage every month. And I don't have money coming in. The thing about when you own a property like I do, I always make sure that there's multiple doors on any property that I own except for one. Because what happens is all those doors, doors represent checks. Three doors, three checks a month versus one door, one check a month. And if you live behind that door, you're writing that check. What say you, we talked to Jeanette, and, and I think she is facing something that a lot of women in our audience that are, that are especially if they've gone through a divorce or they lost a partner, we have a lot of women in our, off, in, in our audience between the ages of 45 and 85 that are going through something very similar, I think, right? Yeah, and this is a, a common thing, and uh, it was interesting to unpack this because it really depends on what you need. So for for this person, they wanted ex- living money expenses. Like that's the goal. And so if you're thinking about that goal, um, where it's like, okay, I what I want is a piece of real estate that is going to produce income every month. 
that is very different than someone that's like, I want to hold an asset and have it grow over time. I don't need monthly income from it. I need equity income down the road. So like I, I have a piece of property like that where it's like, it makes a little bit of money every month, but what I really need it to do is when I get to retirement age, I want to be pulling out six figures out of that thing. Like I want a very big check down the road. So I don't need to go buy groceries on that, that house. Uh, I don't need, uh, you know, I'm not taking a vacation off of money on that house. Future me will future me is going to use that money to take a vacation. And so that's a different scenario. Will future me be hotter than you are right now. Cause you're pretty damn hot. Upshaw. <laughs> will you be hotter? Future me is going to be, will it be worse or will you kind of stay the no, same? I'm, I'm going to move into my silver Fox face God, at would, that, that point. Would you, when you get home tonight, would you have future you call sure. future, future me, future me and future <laughs> me. And so very different <laughs> than, conversation, than when you want income right now. So a, a strategy for, or um, what I did is you can buy that, keep that first house, rent it, and as long as it's it's cash flowing, and I'll give this away for people always when we sit in these, like how do I know if it's going to cash flow? There's a thing called an APOD, A-P-O-D. Look that up online. It's a spreadsheet that tells you, will my property cash flow? And it gives you, you just go through, fill out all the numbers as accurately as you can, and it will tell you if your house is going to cash flow or not. You're like, well, how do I find out the rental information? You go to ZillowRents.com, type in your address, look around a quarter mile, a half a mile, maybe a mile of similar properties and see what they are renting for per month. And that's how you get your data. All right. So that's for someone that wants to do that. Now for someone that needs this monthly income, this is what you're a specialist in. You need those multiple doors because you still have to live somewhere. And so when you're doing that, you're going to buy a property that is going to have multiple doors. And we've seen this in a lot of different configurations. There are some people that will buy a house with a mother-in-law and you can live in the mother-in-law. If you're a single person and your kids don't live with you, uh, you don't, you might say, Hey, I can, you live are the mother-in-law, right? You are the mother-in-law. <laughs> so you think. I'm going to live in the small house. I'm going to do that on this property. When my son graduates, he's 18, Ron, I'm going to move in the, I built the cottage for, for, for my mother and I built the cottage for me and my family. I'm going to go live in that cottage and probably live in Maui and probably live in Scottsdale, uh, other parts of the year. And then this big house sitting right here that I'm living in now, I think my son, Charlie, myself will move out and, and this will become, this will become an ATM machine like it was before. This is an ATM. So machine here's board. the thing and teach us on this. If I'm, let's say I want to buy this investment property with multiple doors, but I don't want to live in it yeah. versus buying a multiple door property where I am going to live in one of the doors. How is that different when I want to go buy that? Yeah, the difficulty is in the the you always think about points of leverage. So if you have a job right now where someone's paying you, you have a W two job. If you get a W two every year, you know what? Banks like that. If you get a ten ninety nine and you're an entrepreneur like Ron and I are, banks don't like that as much. So you have to jump through more hoops in order to go out and buy more properties. It's typically the entrepreneur and not the W two employee that goes out and buys more properties. And so banks are very interested in. They're very interested in cash flow. They're very interested in if you're buying a property and you're securing that property with your credit, they become very curious if you're going to go out and buy another property. And that's because 
when you buy another property, when you bought that primary, you only had to put probably three to 5% down on that because that's your primary, right? The moment you decide you're going to stay in your primary, but you're going to buy a second property, the bank's going to come to you and say, hey, guess what? We're going to need you to put more money down on this piece of property and pay down the debt a little bit on this piece of property because we don't trust and you haven't shown us that you can make the payment on your primary and then make the payment on the property that you're buying that's an investment property. If that's just another house, a lot of times that's not necessarily considered an investment property to a bank. So you have to find a bank that sees that as a house and you're buying this house and you're going to fix it up and maybe you're going to rent it out. The best thing to do, and this is where you just have to have some game, right? If you don't come from money, if you don't have wealth, if you're younger, if you're younger or you're smart or you're willing to live small and you, and you can't save your way, you can't, it, it's almost impossible to save your way. What you have to do is take the leverage of being a primary buyer, take that primary, move out of the primary. Hang on to the primary like Ron did because he had a home down in in the Burien area. He lived there and made it his primary. He had to put five thousand. He had to put five percent down and not thirty percent because it wasn't an investment property. Get this. Then he moved out. He's already secured the loan. He had to live there for two years. Right. He has the terms of a primary. But now it's become a secondary investment property. And then what he's able to do, and you can do this every couple of years, now he's able to go out and find another primary, put 5% down, live on that property, and manipulate that property. So sometimes people do it ass backwards. They buy a house, and then they're going to go out and try to buy another house And a lot of times the banks aren't going to let you do that. You don't have the leverage to do it unless you have a lot of money to put down. And again, you move to that primary, you get to put 5% down, you're hanging on to your first primary. And for some people, that's the way you stack it. And that's the way that you build it. And that's the way you accumulate real estate. So can you just spend a couple minutes on, I know people in there driving in their car, listening on their walk right now. And they're like, there's not duplexes in my neighborhood. There's not little mini apartment buildings in my neighborhood. My neighborhood just has a bunch of houses. What is Don yeah, talking no, I about? Think you, I, I, I think you'd be surprised what's in your neighborhood. So people think Queen Anne, where I live, is just all single family homes, and it's not. There's multiple family homes all over the place. That's one of the reasons why people pay more to live here, because if I can live in a single family neighborhood, but maybe I live in a duplex, yeah, there's a, people are attracted to that. You go over to Ballard, all kinds of different living over in Ballard, and chances are there's all types of different living that's happening in your neighborhood because they've changed a lot of the zoning in Western Washington so we can build and we can get higher and denser. So for me, if I'm going to buy an investment property, uh, it can look like a single family house. That's what I the the house I'm sitting in. It's, 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 a, it's an investment property, but it's where I'm raising my son. So I was able to go in and put 5% down, like we talked about. So I, t- I didn't have to put 30 because it's my primary. And then what I was able to do is force appreciation on the house. The house that I bought for 485 is now worth close to $4 million, right? I put a lot of effort into this home, but I carry debt of maybe just over a million dollars on the house. And so for me, this will be a piggy bank. And this might be an ATM for the rest of my life, or I may end up selling this house at some point down the road. But but 
But when my, because I promised my son we're going to stay in this house till he's 18, probably what I'll do is I will leave this property. It'll no longer be my primary. Maybe I'll stay in the cottage in the backyard. What I'd really like to do is buy another house in the neighborhood, put 5% down, make that make that my primary, manipulate that property while the property I'm sitting in that has three doors will collect about 300 grand a year. So that's cash flow coming in. Why would I sell that? And also, since the value is going up, now I can borrow against it. And then I can go out and I can buy that house that I was telling you about uh, that I'm now going to make my my primary. So anytime you're going to go out and if you just say, hey, I'm going to stay in my primary, but I'm going to go out and, and buy a second door somewhere, expect to put down a lot more money. And if you don't have it, that's a great time to go to your parents and say, hey, remember when you give me that money? Do it now while that money is worth more rather than 20 years when you die and you pass. See if they'll give you that money now, give you that leverage now, and think about what that money, if you take that and invest in something, and I'm not saying a boat, and I'm not saying a trailer, and I'm not saying a vacation. If you invest in something like a house or in a triplex to do whatever that is, that represent lots of money for you and your family. And that's how you snowball wealth down the road. It's do you only, 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 only if you're young in the real estate game, you borrow money to buy assets. You don't borrow money to buy liabilities. If you go out and you borrow money to buy a boat and to buy uh, uh, vacations you can't afford and a bunch of other stuff and you don't buy any assets with that makes no sense to me. So make sure when you're refinancing, people are like, I'm going to go on a trip. I'm not, I'm going to drive a 10 year old car and I'm going to buy one more door and secure my future. So, yeah. So these are the type of strategies we have at a Ronadon sit down. Um, it, it, it can get complicated, but we, we can see a way. That's what, what, what I love is doing this puzzle with people of saying, where are you at right now? Where do you want to get to? And here's a plan to get there. Yeah. And sometimes there's, there's not sometimes all the time. There's some effort, uh, all the time. There is some hustle, uh, all of the time, uh, you have to have a lot of, um, commitment to the process, but when you do get there, it is amazing. Yeah. And I, and I'm not saying don't go on vacation. I'm just saying if, if, if you're taking extra income and it all goes towards things that cost money that are liabilities and you know, they are cause they depreciate you go and you buy that car and then you drive it off the lot. It's depreciating a lot. So is the brand new boat, the jet skis, all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. If you get to the point where you can't afford that, but the way that you afford that, if wealth hasn't been handed to you is by early on taking on debt. And even later on, if you didn't understand this taking on debt right now, that buys assets for you because now you have something that can provide cash flow, become an ATM machine, give you all kinds of tax breaks because it's all about the tax code. And then on top of that, on top of that, you have an opportunity then to really build something that's going to be worth a lot in the future. If you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad or listened to that, you should start with that book. And also there's a great podcast called Bigger Pockets for young investors that don't have any money in their pockets right now. Listen to it. Bigger Pockets, join their forums, join their meetups, and then also read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If it's been a while since you read it, read it. It's about a man that had a rich dad and a man that, uh, that had a poor dad. And he tells you about how those dads functioned in the world. And it may not be what you think. It's fascinating. And it will get you thinking differently about money, and about debt 
and about taking on debt. Because believe it or not, taking on debt is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. You just have to make sure you take on the right kind of debt where you're buying assets and not liabilities. Make sense? Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show, real estate only. If you want to sit down with us, how can they do that? Yes, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. You can download a player's book for uh, buyers or sellers. And if you just want to reach out to me directly, if you're like, I don't like online forums, just email me, ron at ronanddon.com. Yeah. Get that Johnny Cash flowing. <laughs> Hey, uh, also, if you need me, Don at ronanddon.com. If you want to advertise on our show, a lot of people have reached out. Thanks for sponsoring uh, today's show, Mitch at Mitch.loans, and our good friends at Les Schwab, and of course, Ron and Don and Ron and Don Real Estate. Until next time, keep your head up, your shoulders back. Let's do some sit downs, you guys. It's the Ron and Don sit down. Yeah, you're listening to the Ron and Don show. Oh, boy! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. And your shoulders back, and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.